Zay. Hey, Zay. Be- before, before, you, before you leave, can we do a selfie? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? You okay with that? Yeah. All right, let me, let me take these glasses off real quick. Get your selfie here. Take a selfie with me. Hey. Right? Hey, hey, will you hold the mirror for me? I, I, I need to, you know, I need to get myself together here. All right. All right. It's all good. Thank you, Zay. You're welcome. Give it up for Zay. Good morning, church. I want to say welcome, and I want to welcome those who are uh, watching us online. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. And uh, I just want to say this uh, before we get into this message. I want to thank the Chambersburg campus for loving your pastor and his wife the way you do. I want to thank you to Shippensburg for loving uh, your pastor and his wife the way you do. And I want to say special thank you to those folks, Greencastle, thank you for loving your pastor and loving my wife and kids the way that you do. We appreciate you very much. Absolutely. And this, this guy that you see on stage, you, I'm going to share some stories a little later, but this, this guy that you see is, is a mess. And without um, the one that you didn't see on stage, so that was my son that read scripture, it was my daughter who, who was singing, but my wife who, love you, babe, love you. It, um, babe, you, you're awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so you guys noticed uh, when I got up here, uh, I took a selfie, right? I want to show you how that turned out. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is so awesome, right? I mean, seriously. And then the mirror, right, is like all about me, right? All about me. So you might say that's a little weird. That's a little awkward. And how could you do that to that precious little boy? Right? How could you take him out of the picture? Well, I want to ask a question because today we're going to talk about self-centeredness. I want to ask you a question. So just as much as that looked weird and that looked awkward and you're like, that's ridiculous. How do we as Christians look when we make it all about us? And people look at us and say, I thought, I thought you were a Christian. Why are you why, is, why are you the only one that has to be in the picture? Let's make it even more personal. Even with your family. Why? Is your family not in the picture because it's all about you? I daily am asking God to kill this stuff that's inside of me so that I can see more of him. And so with this selfie, guys, I've done some research here. And Have you ever taken a selfie? Anybody ever taken a selfie? Come on, I know we have some people in here that have taken a selfie. I mean, pretty much everybody, I think, in here has taken a selfie at one time, right? And, and so I read this article. Um, it was this article talking about those who take selfies and how it makes them feel. And so what I've learned, uh, Google actually talked about their, their Androids, that 93 million selfies are taken a day. And then they did another experiment, 
And uh, they wanted to know how it made people feel. And they found that there was a decrease in confidence. And also there was some emotional behaviors behind it. There was a lot of anxiety. And so what I see and what I've experienced in knowing folks that are self-centered, their lives are miserable, miserable. But naturally, all, each and every one of us are self-centered, right? How about this? Um, I have some family members that uh, we take a lot of photos, right, and a lot of selfies. How about this? What, who is the person that you look for in the picture, Right When you go to take a, a photo and you come back, you're like, do you want to keep this photo? Come on, people. Be, be real. When you take this photo, no, don't use that one. No. You look at yourself. It has nothing to do with anyone else. One, a hair's out of place. You didn't smile right. So it used to be, when people took a lot of pictures of themselves, it used to be called narcissism. Now it's called Facebook. <laughs> right? I mean... Taking pictures of yourself and making pages of yourself. How ridiculous is that? It's all about me, me. That's what we're saying. It's all about me. And so self-centered is the idea is that it's what I want. It's what I want to do. It's what I deserve. Even when we deserve hell, right? It's all thinking about me. And so being naturally self-centered, the self-centeredness is, is seeing just myself. And, and, and usually when you're self-centered, everyone else sees it more than you. They see it more plainly than you do. And so being self-centered, uh, we're yielding to these, these selfish desires, uh, fleshly natures. And when we do that, we're not bearing fruit that's productive it's corruption. But this series that we're in, this series across campus, is we're talking about bearing much fruit. And so today we're in our third, we're in our th- on our third Sunday with bearing much fruit. And uh, the passage that uh, we're going to be in John, and I want to talk to you uh, uh, first, speak from John 15. So if you turn to your Bibles uh, in John 15, verse 8, and this is, what, this is what it says. It says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So in this, we see that, um, we see that God is the, the vine dresser, right? Uh, he is the vine and we are the branches, And so in order to bear fruit, we've talked about the first week, you must be born again. You must be born again. That when we give our lives to Christ, it's it's being born again. There's a supernatural change. Last week, we talked about to, to bear much fruit, that we have to have the Holy Spirit live within us. The Holy Spirit living within us, immediately when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit indwells in you. And then there was another word we talked about, the filling. There's a difference between indwelling and filling. The difference is indwelling happens immediately when you accept Jesus Christ, and the filling is a continual 
So we, we, are, we should be praying, Holy Spirit, fill me every day. Fill me. I shared with the congregation last week, I said, I have a problem when I go to restaurants or go to someone's house and the glass is dirty. You ever experienced that? Come on, right? And, and you're like, why would, you fill, why would you put something in here when the glass is dirty? How many of us, how many of us, like we, we, we need to empty out these things. We need to empty out. The glass needs to be clean before we ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill us. Maybe there's some junk inside of there that we're saying, hey, it needs to be removed so that God, you can fill me. And I don't want you to stop filling me. I want my cup to overflow, continue to fill me up. And so today, guys, we're going to talk about another topic today that helps us that we cannot bear fruit unless we do this. And that's a daily death to self, a daily death to self in order to have a spiritual productive life. I know, I know it's not a comfortable message, is it? It's a very convicting message. Welcome. It hurts. It hurts. And I know it's hard to hear because you've heard me say death. It's hard to hear the word death. Why? Because when you hear the word death, it's like I, I'm going to lose something or I'm going to lose someone. So I'm asking you right now, I'm asking you not to, not to turn, uh, not to put me on mute, not to turn me off because I, I'm going to give a spoiler alert here. Uh, the, the end of the story, it ends happily ever after. Folks online, I want you to know, do not, do not go to the bathroom right now. Do not go to the refrigerator right now. I know I'm speaking about death, but I believe you need to hear this and God has a word for you today. See, the awesome thing is to those who are in Christ Jesus, it is happily ever after because we know that yes, we die, but we have to die to, un to experience life. Martin Luther said this, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. D.L. Moody said this, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Do you agree with that? So God is here for us and he desires for us. He desires for us to have, uh, to die to ourselves so that we can live for him. Uh, Philippians uh, 121 says this, the Lord wants us to live a godly and spiritual productive life. God wants us to be happy. Do you believe that? He wants us to be happy. And so in John 12, and John 12 is where we're going to spend some of our time here today. John 12, starting at verse 20, what we notice here is there's a conversation. We have the Greeks coming to Philip, and the Greeks are coming to Philip, and they're saying, I want to see Jesus. And so Philip goes to Andrew, and then Andrew comes back to Philip. And some reason, Philip is actually the one coming to Jesus and says, hey, the, the Greeks want to talk to you. And Jesus was preparing. Jesus was preparing. He knew that he was on his way to the cross. He was preparing for death. And he's taught his disciples that this is the greatest kingdom paradox. Jesus answered, speaking truth of himself. He says this in verse 23. He says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. 
So Jesus gives them this unexpected truth. And he says this in verse 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. See, folks, if we held a grain of wheat in our hand and we keep it to ourselves, nothing will happen. It won't grow. But if you plant it in the ground, then it dies and it bears all kinds of fruit, more than you can imagine. Jesus compared his death to this grain of wheat falling into the the soil and, and perishing and only after the kernel dies, only after it dies in the ground, there's new life, it's sprouting out. And, and the father knew, the, uh, Jesus knew that there was gonna be a cost. Do you know when you follow Jesus and you surrender that there's gonna be a cost? Someone say there's, there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to following Jesus. He would soon die on the cross, but he also understood, he also understood that his death on the cross was gonna produce much fruit. Not only much fruit, not only just much fruit, but making it possible for the multitudes, you and and for me, to be born again and to receive eternal life. So then Jesus goes on and he passes this principle to the disciples and he says this in verse 25 and 26. He says, whoever loves his life, what? Loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Truly, surely, Jesus went from talking about himself to now talking about his servants to talking about us. And he says, basically what he's saying is death is necessary for life. He's saying that for you and for me and every potential follower, that if you want life, that you have to die. In this passage, I know it sounds very uh, hurtful when you hear hating our lives. What, what does that look like? What, is, what does that mean? Hating, hating my life? I thought I was supposed to love. What do you mean hate my life, folks? I want to know. I want you to know this does not relate to being suicidal. What this, what this is saying is it's saying that I'm supposed to set away, set my own stuff aside, that I'm supposed to, I'm asking God to kill this stuff inside of me, that I get rid of this because I want to see more of him and less of me, right? That my self-centered existence, I want to abandon everything that's not of you, Lord, so that you can be glorified. And that I can not only serve you, God, but the other part of it is I want to serve others. So God, kill this, uh, this stuff inside of me. Folks, if you're taking notes today, the first thing I want you to know, that if you are a Christian, or if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, then you've already died. You've given your soul to the Lord. It no longer belongs to the enemy. It no longer belongs. I love that song, a hell's lost another one. I am free. Once I've given my life to Jesus Christ, I, 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 I've died. 
And to the follower, to, to the Christian, being a Christian is not easy, folks. It is not a bed of roses. It is hard. It is hard. There's so many things coming at you and coming at our children and coming at teenagers. It is hard to be a Christian. But guess what? The other side of that coin is also glorious. It is also glorious. Pastor Mike, what do you mean by that? So what I want you to do is, you, what I want you not to do is, is focus on just one of those. Fo- don't just focus on the hard. Don't just focus on the glorious. Because if you focus on the hard, you're going to miss the power and the freedom behind what Jesus has done for you. If you focus on the glorious, you're going you're gonna to miss the sacrifice that it took, the surrendering that it takes. And so what I, I want to explain this a little bit to you. So the heart is this. Here's what the heart is. When we die, it's hard. But the glorious part is, is when we bear fruit. The hard part is when that we hate our lives in this world. But the glorious is that we keep our lives to eternal life. The hard is we follow Jesus on Calvary's road, but, but the glorious is we join Jesus in glory someday. The hard is when we become servants because it, it takes some things to become a servant. It takes some dying to become a servant, but the glorious is the Father honors us. So I mentioned that as a Christian, you've already died. Number two, if you're a Christian, you must surrender. You're going to hear me say surrender and die. You must surrender. You must die daily. And I know it's not easy. I'm not sitting up here like it's easy for me. I'm just letting you know that it's surrendering and dying daily as a Christian. This word daily, this word daily, we're, we're surrendering, we're dying we're recognizing our position in, in Christ and we, and we see Christ. You, you have died and your position is in Christ and we experience uh, this dying as we fight and we put this, 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 this flesh to, to death and we're trusting in the promises of God above anything else. You know, Paul wrote many letters. He wrote many letters talking about what happens when we become a Christian and this, this flesh dies and when we surrender this over in, in Romans, uh, I'm sorry, in Galatians 5.24, it says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. We are willing to give it up. We are willing to yield uh, this, these selfish desires, dying daily to our sins, to ourselves and to the world. Romans 6.4 This is what happened to you when you became a Christian. The the, the meaning of your baptism, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul put it like this in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh by faith, the son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. See, what Paul was saying is, I, I recognize that this, this old life has to go, the, the, this following the sins of the world. Now this new Paul, the dwelling place is, is Christ and he lives in me and through me. As we die to self, we are no longer, should no longer try to get in our own way. We find freedom in Christ and not this self-focused life. The individual who surrenders, who dies daily to this life, begins to understand why God created them, that God created them for a reason and that he has a part in God's plan. He, he wants to use you. And I believe there's some things that we need to do to be able to understand that. And so again, if you're taking notes, first, we, we need to recognize that there's really nothing good inside of us. This is a old sin nature. That we need to admit that we're weak and helpless without the Holy Spirit. That we need to trust in the assurance and confidence through the power of Jesus Christ that's within us to those who are believers, that we need to commit and pursue God's will, the heart of the Father. So, folks, I just want to be honest with you. This guy that's standing up here is a mess. I am. I complain. Anybody else complain? Come on. I'm a work in progress. Would you agree? No, I'm talking about you, not me. <laughs> Are you a work in progress? And so daily, I ask, what needs to die in me? What needs to die in me, God, that I can bear much fruit? Folks, I got to tell you, I, I spend time with Pastor Lawrence and we were talking about, you know, the, the future and moving forward. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. And I have shared this with the Greencastle congregation before. Like, this didn't look like anything I pictured. Being a pastor at a campus that's still temporary, a temporary building. What? Christians shouldn't have to go through that, right? Every day trying to figure out like, what, what does it look like? My, my heart for our team, like setting up and tearing down. What, why? It'd be easy to come in here and have some jealousy, right? God, I know you called me to be a pastor, but this wasn't supposed to look like this. Every day, God, what, what needs to die in here that I can be a better servant for you? Guys, um, can I share some stories with you? Thank you. Um, so in the midst of all of this, God continues to show me his faithfulness and it has nothing to do with the building. It has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with him. I feel like sometimes when, when, like when Jesus said 
to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. Over the last few weeks, I've seen God move. Do you know that God can move in a temporary building? Do you know that God can move in a campground? <laughs> I, I, I've seen God move. I need to share this with you. Um, I, I, when, when God asks you to do something, it's not always comfortable. <laughs> it's not always comfortable. So uh, last week, Last week, um, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And guys, this is the first time that this has happened to me. I'm telling you, uh, I, was, I was praying and God said, this is what God said. God said, I, on Sunday, I want you to pray for people that have migraine headaches, that have knee pain, and that have ear pain. I'm like, what? But God, what if, what if nobody raises their hand? And it says that they do. Both services. I said, I want to pray for folks that have these. Both services, folks raise their hand. Last night, and even after the service, we had folks that came up to me and said, Pastor Mike, I have no more knee pain. I have no more ear pain. And my headaches have gone, been gone. Yeah, yeah. It, and, I, and I just want to say to you, God cares about you. He cares about every detail. I don't know why he told me to pray over that. I'm, I'm a broken vessel, to be honest with you. But I had to be obedient. Folks, we are seeing people come into relationship with Jesus Christ on Sundays. We're seeing people surrendering. I had a guy last week who also came up to me and said, he said his, his ear pain went away. He said, Pastor Mike, right now in front of my child, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. Can I share another story with you? Another story I want to share with you. And I, I share with a congregation that I'm a crying pastor, so I don't know if I'll make it through this one out without crying, but I want to, I want to say this to you. I want to share this story to, with you. So, uh, one of my neighbors texted me a couple weeks ago and her husband had had a stroke and um, they don't come to our campus. Uh, we, we see them uh, kind of passing by, but she reached out and asked through a text and asked me to go to the hospital to see her husband. So I went to the hospital and her husband was sitting in a wheelchair and this was his third stroke. And, and as I'm talking to them, I, I want to make sure that's, that's my heart and passion. I don't, I don't just do this to do this. I, I want to see everyone come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And so I'm, I'm sharing Jesus Christ with them. What he says to me, and I want you to know, I, I asked his wife, could I share this? He says to me, I don't see it that way. And so it broke my heart and prayed with them and I walk out of the hospital building and my wife and my kids are sitting in the vehicle and I tell them, I got to get back. I got to get back to this hospital someday because I, I, I feel, I don't know if he knows Jesus. I, I got to get back to him. And so a couple days later, a text comes through, says that this gentleman 
is not going to make it, that they're just trying to make him comfortable. So I knew I had to get back. I said, God, give me time to get back. And so I go on a Saturday. I go on a Saturday knowing I have to preach the next day. But I go, and I'm sharing this with you because there was a lot of dying to self that had to happen because all my thoughts were, well, what if I drive over here and I don't get a chance to share? I don't want to be disrespectful to the family. What if, what, if, what if they're caring for him and I don't get a chance, God? So I begin to pray, and I begin to ask the Holy Spirit to give me these words. Give me an opportunity to share Jesus. So I go in and... Guys, I'm telling you, when you are obedient to the Spirit of God, God sets the stage. And so I walk in, and there's this beautiful music playing. There's a nurse over here to the corner. His wife, his wife is taking care of him. She's 85, he's 86. They've been, they've been married for almost 69 years. His wife looks at me and says, Mike, can you pray? Can you pray to confirm and just know that he knows the Lord? <laughs> and so I didn't know with his stroke because I know there was some slur going on as he was speaking. And so I began to share Christ with him. And I said, I said his name and I said, if you understand, will you squeeze my hand? And he squeezed. I said, if you understand this, will you squeeze my hand? And he squeezed my hand. And I said his name and I said, I spoke John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I said his name and I said, do you believe this? He said, yes. why it's worth it. I begin to cry. That gentleman gave his life on Saturday and he went home to be with the Lord on Tuesday. He is in glory. See, I thought I was just going to let him know, but what it did in me, it killed some things inside of me. And he allowed the things that maybe he didn't understand to die, to receive Jesus Christ. And now life, eternal life is reality. Folks, I'm asking you to ask yourself some questions today. What must you die to? What needs to die inside of you? What do you need to surrender? It's not, this is always how it has been. No, Jesus, what do you want? Father, what do you want? I'm striving against my very nature as a Christian. Maybe you're 
trying to keep something alive that God is trying to sentence to the death. This is what we need to do when we, we become Christians, die daily. Yes, we are a work in progress. But when it comes to surrendering and dying, folks, I think a lot of it has to do with one word, and that's love. Do you love yourself more than you love God? What needs to die inside of me? There's a perfect example when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane in pain and agony, knowing he's about to go to the cross. A moment asking about passing this cup from him. In the same breath, he says, he prays, not my will, but your will be done. How many of you are willing to do that? Say, not my will. How many of you online are willing to say, not my will, but God, your will be done? See, 2 Timothy tells me that in the last days, there will be people that will love themselves. Folks, I don't know about you, but I need things to die in here so that I can put the love of the Lord on display and be an example and show the example that he showed when he walked the earth that I can share love. This world doesn't know how to love. This world gets so offended, gets so caught up in themselves. They really don't know what true love is, what true surrender is, what true dying to self really looks like. But I want them to see what God has given us, those who are believers, the fruit of the Spirit that they can see the love, that they can see joy, that they can see peace, that they can see goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. I want to surrender my my selfishness. I want to surrender the self-centeredness. You know, Paul said this in Philippians 2, 1, 5. He said, therefore, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition. In the King James, that word is rivalry. There's no competition. See, folks, there is no competition between Chambersburg, Shippensburg, and Greencastle. We should have the same thing in common, and that's to serve Jesus Christ and to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior, come from darkness into his marvelous light. That's what it's about. It's not about who has the best building. It's not by who has the most members. It's about Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, or vain conceit. The King James Version says vain glory, meaning useless glory. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Wow. 
Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. What would it look like for Grand Point Church to have the same mindset in Christ? We would turn this city upside down. Shippensburg, Chambersburg, Greencastle, Mercersburg, all of them. Don't you want that? I didn't say turn the world. I mean, you guys can get happy about that. I didn't say turn the world up for us. I said turn the world, world upside down for him, right? For his kingdom, that people will come to know Jesus Christ. The word of God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you say, Pastor Mike, well, what if I don't love myself? Well, you do love yourself if you made that comment. Because it goes back to centering on yourself. That's, that's not what that passage is saying. That passage is saying, love others. Love others. I know this is counterintuitive, but the best thing that you can do for yourself is get over yourself. See, this self-centeredness, when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, it goes from, I was looking at myself and I was checking myself out and it's all about me. But a true heart, a true follower to Jesus Christ is saying, when I look in this mirror, there is something, there's someone more beautiful than I am. And that is you, Jesus. I'm tired of just looking at myself and trying to get myself right because I can't do it myself. I've tried and I'm tired and I can't do it myself. But if we change our look and, and we say like David did in Psalm 27, where he says, I gaze upon his beauty. God, you are so much beautiful than I am. So much beautiful. God, take my eyes off me. That's my prayer for you. You take your eyes off yourself and turn your eyes to the one who's in control, the author and finisher of your faith. Would you stand? Folks, today, maybe someone's coming here, maybe someone online doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Today is the day of salvation. See, maybe you don't understand this whole dying to self because remember what we said in the beginning, you must be born again. You must be born again. And see, to experience the, the Holy Spirit, once you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I want to live. I, I don't want just, I don't just want to visit. I want to inhabit. And so I want that for you. I want you to be able to experience 
having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you've come in here today and you don't have a relationship, we would love to pray with you at the end of the service. We would love to open up scripture and show you how, how, what it looks like to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Maybe you're in here today and you said, Pastor Mike, I do have a relationship with Jesus. But there's a lot of things that I need to die to. You know what? You can do it, guys. You can die to this thing. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy keep you from saying, there is some mess in my life that has kept me from being the husband that I need to be. There's some things in my life that, that is a mess that's kept me from being the wife that I need to be, that's kept me from being the parent that I need to be, that's kept the, the, the relationship is broken between me and my parents and me and my kids because I'm not willing to die. I'm not willing to ask Jesus to kill these things inside of me. Maybe there's some things between you and your parents, you and your family, maybe at work. Maybe, maybe there's some things that you need to die to because you're, you're frustrated with things at church. See, folks, it's not just about you coming here and someone took your seat. It's more than that. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to die so that you can have the fulfillment of what God wants to do in you? and that you can bear much fruit. See, what I've learned as a Christian, over all the things that I've gone through and the experiences that I've had with Jesus Christ since I became born again and allowed the Spirit to move, that there's nothing else that I want. Nothing else. Nothing else but Him. He's the only one that I can trust. He's the only one that knows my dirt and still loves me. He loves you today. Will you allow him? Will you allow him to move in your life? Will you ask the question, Father, what needs to die in me so that you may get the glory and that I can bear much fruit?